message is pressing towards perfection. That's the title of the message. Pressing towards perfection. God is calling us to press towards perfection. Amen. We are good. All of us are good. That's the reason we are coming. We are worshipping the Lord. Uh, you know, we have dedicated our time to get up early, so early, to come on the conference, <clears throat> to hear the message. That itself shows that we have love for God. We have the hunger for God. We want to do things that please the Lord. And that's the reason we are here. Amen. But the Lord is calling us to press more towards perfection. Amen. God is calling us to be perfect just as He is perfect. God is a perfect God. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, God is light and there is no darkness in Him. Amen. There is no darkness in Him at all. He lives in an unapproachable light because everything about Him is so perfect. His creation, if you see around you, is so perfect. The sun, the moon, the stars, the rain, the trees, the birds. Amen. Everything about the creation talks about His perfection. Everything, every organ in our body is so perfectly created. Amen. And that's how God is. He, he is a perfect creator. And He expects us to be perfect just as God is perfect. Because God has created us in His image. He never created us in the image of an animal. Amen. But thank God He has created us in His image. And He wants us to be perfect just as He is perfect. That's the reason Jesus told His disciples in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. Be perfect, perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. So He's telling His disciples, be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect is perfect. Amen. Adam, I mean, God created such a beautiful uh, creation for Adam and Eve. It was so perfect. And he created that for Adam. And he created that for Eve. And that perfect creation was, became imperfect because of Adam's one act of disobedience and act of sin. God had to kick them out of his perfect creation that he created. Amen. God's kingdom is a kingdom of perfection. And if you want to enter into his kingdom, you have to be perfect. Amen. Heaven is a place full of perfect people. Amen. And that's the reason God is calling us to press towards perfection. So it says in Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 16, it says, because of Adam's one act of disobedience brought sin and death. But Christ, one act of obedience brought right standing before God. Amen. Thank God for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His suffering on the cross and His obedience to God that today we have right standing before God. Thank God for His Son that we are perfect before God. Amen. So why is Jesus calling us to be perfect when we have already are following Him? Amen. But why is He telling His disciples, be perfect when they are already following Him, when they are already walking with Him, when they are already into His ministry? They are doing everything that Jesus wants them to do, but still Christ is calling them to be perfect. Amen. Because there are certain things that we cannot see, but God sees in our life and is calling us to get rid of them because that is what is making us imperfect in our life. Amen. If you go to uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verses, I'm sorry, it's Mark chapter 7 and verses from 18 to 23 it says food doesn't I'm sorry verse 18 Mark 7 verse 18 to 23 don't you understand either he asked can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you food doesn't go into your 
heart but only passes through the stomach and then, and then goes into the sewer. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. From within you, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorali immorali immorality, I'm sorry, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these wild things come from within and they are what defiles you. Amen. So these are the things that defiles us. And that is what uh, Christ was telling his disciples. And it is the same for all of us. So these are the things we have to be careful. Though we are walking with the Lord, just like Judas, he walked with God. He talked with God. He spent time with Jesus. But still, Judas betrayed Jesus for a few coins of silver. And if you see Peter... He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He was so closely connected to Jesus. And still he, reje he rejected Jesus. Amen. And that is what many Christians do. We walk with Jesus. We talk with Jesus. But still we reject him. And these are the things God is calling us to be careful from. Because this is what is going to keep us away from being perfect. Amen. It says in Luke chapter 6. And verses 46 to 49, it says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what's it, what it's like when someone comes to you, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood water rises and breaks against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Amen. So Jesus is giving a parable <clears throat> of a solid foundation of a house that is built on rock. And he's telling, you're calling me Lord, Lord, verse, verse 46, but you're not doing what I'm telling you to do. And that is what many of us, we do. We say, Lord, Lord, but we are not doing exactly what Christ is telling us to do. And that is when he's telling us that those who listen to him are like the person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood water rises and breaks against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. Amen. If our foundation is not strong in the, in the Lord, then we cannot stand the flood waters, the waves and the problems of this life. Amen. So God is calling us to be standing on the strong rock, on the foundation, and the solid rock is Him. Amen. He's saying in verse 49, But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Amen. So if there is no solid foundation, it will collapse. It cannot stand. And the same is with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If He's not the foundation of our life, if He's not a priority, if we don't keep Christ first in our life, we're not building our foundation strong. Amen. Many people, they come to church, but when it comes down to putting God first, above, you know, they don't want to do that. And that's the reason we don't have many of us on the conference today. Because we're not putting God first. We are putting the things of this world Above the things of God. Amen. And that's the reason the foundation is so shaky. <clears throat> that's the reason they keep calling me and telling me, Sister Sheba, I have this problem, I have this that problem. Because they're not having a strong foundation. And when you don't have a strong foundation, you cannot stand the chance of the floodwaters, of problems of life. Amen. So he's telling us, don't be calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I'm telling you to do. Amen. What is he telling us to do? If you go to the same chapter, verse, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse from 23 to 25, he says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn away from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
Amen. So he's telling us to take up our, if you really truly want to follow Christ, he's telling us to give up our selfish ways, give up our desires of the flesh. And he's telling us to take up our cross daily. It's not just on Sunday, but it's every day of the week we are called to carry the cross of Christ and follow me. And saying in verse 24, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Amen. It's clearly telling us if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. Because we are trying to run our life on our own abilities. And that's the reason we face storms of life and we cannot face them. That's the reason there's so many people having so many problems and so many complications in their families, in their marriages, in their finances, in their health. Why? Because we are not building our foundation strong in the Lord and we are still wanting to hold on to the pleasures of this life. He's telling us, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Amen. So if you give up your life for the sake of Christ, if you put Christ as the first priority in your life, that is when you're going to experience the true life. Amen. A life that Christ has come to give us. A life filled with joy, a life filled with peace, a life filled with prosperity, happiness. And that is what Christ came to give us in John chapter 10 verse 10. He's telling, I came so that you might have an abundant life, a life of joy and peace, a life that was led by Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. It was perfect. I mean, they were enjoying a perfect life, they were enjoying a perfect creation. And that is what Christ is calling us to do, to enjoy the perfection. But if you want to enjoy the perfection, the condition is you have to give up your life for my sake. Amen. For Christ's sake, you have to give up your life and live your life for Him. When you live your life for Christ, He's going to make your life perfect. He's going to make your life enjoyable. He's going to make your foundation so strong that whatever problems come in your life, you will still be able to withstand every, every flood waters that the enemy sends. Amen. So God is calling us to give up our life and to receive his life. Amen. In verse 25 he says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? Amen. Luke 9 uh, verse 25 is saying, what benefit is it if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What good is it? That's what Jesus is saying. We have all the pleasures of this world. We are so rich. We are so popular. And still, there are people who commit suicide in the top of their career because they're not happy. The joy and the pleasures and the popularity doesn't give them the true joy and the true peace that comes from Christ. And eventually they want to give up and they, they kill themselves. And where do they end up? They end up in hell. That's the reason Jesus is saying, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you still lose your soul? But if you give up your life for my sake, you will experience a perfect life. A life that is run by me. Amen. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26, he's telling, if you truly want to be my disciple, okay, let's go to Luke 14 and 26. <clears throat> okay, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Amen. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not me. Amen. Christ is telling, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your mother. You have to hate your father. You have to, I mean, he's not saying to hate like hate, but he's telling us to keep him first. You cannot love your mother more than Jesus. You cannot love your father more than Jesus. Amen. You cannot Love your children more than Jesus. And that's what he's saying. And many of us, we fall in that area. We put our spouse first. And many people, they're not coming to church because of their spouse. 
I was able to talk to this brother from Ireland and God wants to do something in his life. Uh, he's, he's a Catholic and God wants to touch his life. And he told me that he wants to rededicate his life to Christ. I want to be reborn again, Sister Shiva. But the problem is with my wife. She's a, she's a strong, orthodox Catholic. And she's not willing to give up on Mother Mary. She says that Mother Mary is the way to heaven. And because of that, I don't know what to do. So that's the problem. I told him, you have to serve God. You have to put Jesus above your wife. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you love your wife, if you love your children, if you love your brothers and sisters, you are not my disciple. Amen. And he's saying, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And verse 27, it says, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Amen. Two things. You have to put Christ above every relationship in your life. And secondly, you have to carry the cross of Christ every day. If you truly want to follow Christ. And if you want to be perfect, you have to follow Christ. Not 50%, but 100%. And then, you are going to experience a perfect life. Amen. It's saying in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2 and verses from 3 to 6, it says, And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. Amen. It's saying you can be sure only if you obey His commandments. Verse 4, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Amen? So how can we say that we are living a perfect life if we are living in disobedience to God's commandments? Amen. He's very clearly, John is telling, if you say that you love God, but if you are living in disobedience to God's commandment, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Amen. So he's clearly telling us, if you're not following God's commandment, you're living in darkness. You're not living the true life. Amen. And verse 6, he says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Amen. If you really want to be a perfect child of God, then live your life like Jesus did. Amen. That is called a perfect life where people will see Christ in you. Amen. I remember uh, when we had been to the restaurant with my pastor and the church, one of my sisters from India, she called the pastor for the very first time, Pastor Jose, and she, she spoke to him. And I think they had a conversation and he talked to her for a long time. And he gave the phone to me and I could hear her crying on the phone. I said, sister, what happened? Did Pastor Jose tell you something that hurt you, that you're crying? You know what she said? She said, "I'm." these are tears of joy, Sheba. Your pastor has the heart of Jesus. Your pastor, she was telling me that three times. Your pastor has the heart of Jesus. Amen. That is called a perfect life church where people will see Christ in you. Amen. She's totally a stranger all the way in a different country. And just by talking to my pastor, she was in tears. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen. I remember when he came to pick me to go to church, the landlord's daughter was sitting outside. And I was talking to her. Then the pastor came to pick me. And he said, Sheba, I want to go and pray for the sister. I feel like she's not happy. Something is, is wrong with her. So he went to her and I saw from a window, I saw her crying and he laid her hand, his hands on her head and she just was crying for no reason. I mean, she doesn't know pastor. She met him for the first time and there she's crying. Why? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And God works through us when these people see Christ in us. Amen. That is called a perfect life church. Where God can use us to touch someone else. Amen. That God can use to change someone else. 
Amen. That is the reason God is calling us to press towards perfection. Amen. If people don't see Jesus in us, then there is more work to be done to reach perfection. Amen. If they don't see Christ in us, then there is something that we need to work on. It's not only you all, but it also includes me. If, Christ, if people don't see Christ in me, then there's a problem. Amen. Because we have to practice what we preach. Unfortunately, many preachers and pastors, they don't practice what they preach. Amen. So we have to live like God. That's what he's saying in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If you say you love God, then people should see Christ in us. Amen. And that is called perfection. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verses from 16 to 18. It says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So he's saying that whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. What is the veil, church? It's the veil of deception that the enemy has put in front of us. That we cannot see the glorious light of Christ. Many people have been deceived by Satan. And that's why he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, if you refuse to obey Jesus, you are, Satan is ruling you. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the, commanders of, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Underline that, if you could. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. If you're refusing to obey God, you're allowing the devil to rule your life, church. It's as simple as that. Amen. So he's telling in 2 Corinthians, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 16 to 18, he's saying that if anyone turns to the Lord, that veil of deception is removed. <coughs> Amen. That veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. That's the reason when you come to Christ, you are set free from addictions, addictions to sin, addictions uh, to so many sins. You are set free, addiction to drugs, whatever it is. You are completely set free because the veil has been taken away. Why? Because you have turned to God. Amen. That is the reason it's so important that we turn to God before it's too late. Because when you turn to God, there's going to be freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from depression. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from everything that the enemy has put in our life and in our body to not to enjoy a perfect life that Christ came to give us. Christ came to give us to enjoy a perfect life, church. A joy, a, a, a life filled with joy, a life filled with happiness. Amen. And we are not experiencing that is because we have not completely surrendered to Christ. Amen. So he's telling us those who disobey God are serving the devil, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. If you refuse to obey Jesus carrying his cross, remember you're allowing the devil to control your life. Amen. Don't allow the love of the world or the things of the world take you away from God. And that's, that's what happens. You know, many Christians, they want to be one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And Christ is telling that if you have the love for the world, the things of the world, the pleasures of the world, that means you don't have the love of Christ. Many people have told me, you know, my cousins, they tell me, oh, what is the use? Sister Shiva is there. She doesn't have anything. You know, they look down. And for them, it's like, if you have riches, if you have a limousine, if you live in a Buckingham Palace, 
that for them is a blessing. That's how they look at. But remember, the Bible is clearly saying, if you have the love for the world, the things of the world, you don't have the love of God. For that, let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. It says, Do not love this world, <coughs> nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Amen. So John is telling the church very clearly, if you have the love for the world, the things of the world, I mean, we need house, but we don't need a palace. House is a necessity. Amen. Thank God he has provided me with a house. I don't need a palace like all my cousins have. Amen. So he's telling us, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. If you love the things of the world, church, remember you don't have the love of God. Don't crave for the things of this world. Basic necessities are needed. That's important. You need to have a house, you need to have a car, and God will provide you for that. But if you're expecting a limousine and you know having big things, that means you're craving for the pleasures of the world. And if you crave for the pleasures of the world, he's telling that you don't have the love of the Father in you. Verse 16, it says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Amen. That's what I was sharing. They have pride in their possessions. Some of my cousins, they have so much of pride in, my, in their possessions. Uh, my mother would agree with that. But if you see, their soul is not in line with Christ. Amen. And he's telling very clearly that if you have all the pleasures and the pride in our achievements and possessions, these are not from the Father. This is not from the Father. It's not from God. Amen. And verse 17 is saying, And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. This world is fading away. And then he says, But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. <coughs> Amen. That is the person's living a perfect life. A perfect life. Amen. A life pleasing in the sight of God. Amen. That is the kind of life we are called to live. A perfect life. That's the reason God is calling us to run towards perfection. Amen. <clears throat> and it says in the same chapter, 1 John chapter 2, Verse 19, it says, These people have left our church, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. Amen. So some of the people in the church which Paul was preaching had left the church. Why did they leave the church? Because they were not willing to follow the Christ. 100%. They were still living in the pleasures of the world. And that is what John is telling, that they left the church because they never belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it shows that they did not belong to God. Amen. And that is what is happening with many churches, many people. When it comes down to Christ carrying the cross, crucifying your flesh, they don't want to go all the way. And that's the reason they don't enjoy a perfect life. Amen. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Here Paul is talking about his, his fellow member who was helping him in his ministry, Demas. And look what he's telling about Demas. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Demas has deserted me. Because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica, Christian, uh, Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. So there are three different people have gone to three different places. But Paul is not talking about them. He's talking especially about Demas. And he's saying that he has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone away from the ministry. Demas was following Paul. Amen. He was walking with Paul. He was helping Paul in Paul's ministry. 
But what happened down the line? Paul had to say to the church, the Demas has left him. Amen. You will find that in Philemon chapter 1 verse 24, he talks about Demas as his fellow worker. He's talking to the Philemon church about Demas uh, being in his ministry, helping him in a ministry. And again, he's talk, talking about Demas in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14. Here, here Demas is with Paul during his second imprisonment in Rome, at least for a while. But then he left him and left the ministry. And that is what Paul was disappointed. Amen. And that is the condition of many Christians. They walk with God. But when it comes down to crucifying your flesh and give up the love of the world, they prefer the world more than Christ. So Demas left the ministry with Paul. Amen. And that is what is the condition of many Christians. They start good, but they don't add perfect. We start good, but we also have to reach perfection. Many people say, once saved, always saved. Many people say, once baptized, always saved. We are going to make it to heaven. But that's not true because Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 13 and verse 13, those who endure till the end will be saved. Amen. If you're enduring your cross till the end, when you're enduring the desires of your flesh, when you're enduring crucifying your flesh, when you're enduring all the way till the end, will make it to the kingdom of God. Amen. So we have to be careful as we live this life because Christ is not coming for look for lukewarm Christians, very clearly he said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 15 either be hot or be cold, if you're a lukewarm I'm going to spit you out that's what Jesus has warned the church and many people try to manipulate whatever Jesus is telling and try to uh, you know, fix into their own lifestyle and they say that God is a gracious God, that he you know, allows us to live in sin, of course God is a gracious God, that's the reason his grace brings us to repentance Bring salvation. We don't have to work it out. Like the Old Testament, following all the laws, the 600 laws. Only by surrendering to Christ and repenting, you are perfect. Amen. But God is calling us to live in perfection. If you remember this, the story of the prostitute who was dragged in front of Jesus by the men in her city, and they were questioning Jesus. And Jesus didn't say anything to her, but he said one thing, Daughter, I forgive you, but sin no more. Amen. Many people water down that, that verse, what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I forgive every sin that you, you might have committed all your life. I forgive it, but don't sin anymore. Amen. I mean, this week I received a call from my brother and he was telling me about this, his friend of, uh, one of his friend, and he was telling, brother, I want to enjoy life till 70 years. And then at the age of 70, I'm going to ask Christ to forgive my sin and I will make it to heaven. And I told my brother, what is the guarantee that he's going to even live tomorrow or tonight? There's no guarantee they're going to make it tomorrow or tonight. Amen. So how can you decide for your future when you don't even know the present. Amen. Only Christ knows our present. Only Christ knows our tomorrow. So sooner we repent, the better it is. Amen. Because God is calling us to reach perfection, press towards perfection. Amen. Revelations chapter 2 verse 4, Jesus is, is, is talking to the Ephesian church. He's telling, you have lost your first love. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> and verse 4 it says but I have this complaint against you you don't love me or each other as you did at first look how far you have fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first if you don't repent I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches amen so this is what Jesus is warning the Ephesian church that they have lost their first love. They have lost the love for Christ and they have lost the love for each other in the church. 
Amen. They have lost their zeal and passion for Christ. Amen. That's what happened with Judas and Peter. They walked with Christ. They were so passionate about Jesus. They saw the miracles of Jesus. Amen. And still they rejected Christ because their flesh was important for them. The desires of the flesh was important to them. That's the reason it's so important that we are grounded and our foundation is on Christ because that will produce fruits in our life. <coughs> that will produce a perfect life. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 to 18 Paul is calling us to live as children of the light because God is light and there is no darkness in it. Amen. He's calling us to live as light church because God is light. And the same chapter, verse 21 to 23, is telling us to throw off your sinful nature create, created to be like God. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 to 23. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Amen. How can we reach perfection? Is by throwing off our old sinful nature. Amen. That is the number one reason if you want to reach towards perfection is just get rid of your old sinful nature. Amen. That has been corrupted by lust and deception. Lust of this world. Deception is the Satan deceiving our minds and is saying let's instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Allow the Holy Spirit to renew your thoughts and attitude. Amen. It's saying only then you will reach perfection. Only then you will reach what God is calling us to reach. That is perfection, a life of righteousness and holiness. That is called a life of perfection where you have a right standing before God. Whether your life is full of holiness, holiness in our talk, holiness in our actions, holiness in our thoughts, every area of our life should reflect light of Christ. Amen. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 9, it's saying, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Amen. Why is God calling us to reach perfection? Because when you reach perfection, these are the fruits that show up in your life. It will produce only what is good and right and true. Amen. That is why God is calling us to move towards perfection. It says in the same chapter, verse 14, For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen. He's telling us to wake up. Wake up from your sleep. Wake up from the things of this world. Just come out of the world. Rise up from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Amen. But if you're not willing to wake up, you will never experience the light of Christ. You will never experience a perfect life that Christ came to give us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul is telling, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is he saying? It was God's purpose to use the church to display his glory, to display his wisdom. It was not God's intention to use the government to display His glory. It was not God's intention to use the president to display His glory. It, is, it was the church. It was His intention to use the church to display the glory. The church is called to solve the problems of the world. Amen. Church is the headquarters of God. Church is the bride of Christ. Amen. But if the church is living in sin, if the church is living in the world, how can God use the church to solve the problems in our, in our country? Amen. Because God's purpose is used to church. 
But if the church is not living a perfect life, God cannot, cannot use that church to display His glory. Amen. So we are called to live a perfect life because God wants to use our church to bring people close to Him. Amen. But unfortunately, many churches are struggling to reach that perfection. Amen. Many churches are struggling to reach that perfection. That was not only the church, even Paul the Apostle, he too was struggling in his life to reach perfection. I can show you, if you go to Romans chapter 7, the person who wrote the Bible, he too had to go through a lot of struggles to reach perfection. Romans chapter 7 verses 14 to 15, it says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So this is the condition of Paul. is saying that the law is good. The problem is with me. I want to do good, but eventually I do wrong. Amen. And the same chapter, verses 17 to 23, he's saying, So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Amen. So that is the thing. That is his struggle. And, and, and again, it says in verse 21 to 23, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. But there is one, another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin, and that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Amen. So that was the struggle of Paul. Very clearly he's telling, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my own flesh. I want to do things of God, but I inevitably do what is wrong. Oh, what a miserable person. Who can set me free from this life dominated by sin and death? Amen. So that's his struggle. It's not only... Him, but every child of God goes through this struggle. And the, the answer is, thank God, the answer is Christ. It says in the same chapter, verse 25, Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Amen. Thank God for Christ. Thank God for Him that our struggle is finished forever. Amen. Thank God for his sacrifice on the cross that we are done with the sins of our flesh and we can reach perfection and we are perfect through, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 6, it says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Amen. So if you really want to enjoy a life filled with joy and peace, be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Be led by the Holy Spirit in every part of your life. Then you can experience the true joy and the true peace and the perfect life that God is calling us to live. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you, will then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Amen. So Paul is telling the Galatian church to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you are led by the Holy Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Again, in verse 17, he says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desire that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out 
your good intentions. See, there's a problem there. There's a constant fight between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. That's the reason you're not able to do the good intentions that you have to do. You want to do good, but inevitably you do wrong like Paul, Apostle Paul, because we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. That's the reason he's telling us to be led by the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. In the same chapter, verse 19 to 25, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, decision, division, drunkenness, wild parties and all these sins. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. We will not inherit the kingdom of God if we see these things in our life. Amen. That's the reason it's so important to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So he's saying, verse 25, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He's telling us to be led by the Holy Spirit. So the number one way that we can reach perfection is by allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives and to be led by the Holy Spirit. The number two reason for reaching perfection is having the attitude of Christ. If you want to be a perfect, you have to have the attitude of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 to 11 <clears throat> saying, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in the human form. And it says he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Amen. Look at Jesus. He left us with a very good example. Being God, the Son of God, God in flesh, he preferred to die a criminal's death. For whom? For you and for me. Amen. For us, he preferred to die a criminal's death. He humbled himself in obedience to God. That's what it says in verse 8. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Amen. What an honor that God has bestowed upon his son because of his willingness to crucify his life for ours, for his, for his brothers and sisters. Amen. And that is what we are called to do. We have to be willing to, uh, to go on the cross for our brothers and sisters. We have to have the sacrificial uh, attitude like Christ had. In the same chapter, he's talking about Ephroditus. Ephroditus was sent by the church to help Paul when he was in the prison. So Ephroditus was sent with food and clothes to go and give it to Paul in the prison. And he had to travel a long distance to go meet Paul in the prison. And on the way, he felt so sick that he was almost on the verge of dying. But he still made, it, made up his way to meet Paul. And Paul was commending Ephroditus. And this is the kind of attitude that we all need to have. If you go to Philippians, same chapter, verse 27 to 30, he's talking about Ephroditus. He's saying, and he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him. Amen. And then in verse 20, uh, 30, he says, For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do for, from far away. So he's saying that he risked his life for the work of Christ. He risked his life. He put his life at stake. Why did he do that? For the work of Christ. To go and help Paul. Amen. If you're going and helping your leaders who are leading you or who is leading the church, if you're going and helping them, that is a service to God. That is called the attitude of Christ, having the attitude of Christ. 
I still remember when my pastor uh, Nunez was sick with COVID, uh, his, pa his, his children were busy at work, they, he didn't have food, I stay far away from him. But I remember Sister Marie was living close to him. And even Sister Marie was, was not doing good, but she said, Sheba, don't worry. I will go and buy the medicines for Pastor Jose and I'll go and give it to him. Knowing the fact that he's infected, I could get infected. Amen. She put a risk. She took a risk on her life, made sure that the pastor had the food and the medicines. And that is called having the attitude of Christ. Amen. Willing to take risk. Willing to take risk for others. Amen. Putting your life at risk for others. Amen. I remember when one of our sister and brother in our church were fall, had fallen sick to COVID. And Pastor Jose told me, let's go and pray for them. I said, Pastor Jose, you, don't you understand they're sick with COVID? And they're going to infect us. Infect you and me. He said, no, Shiva, God has called me to go and I'm going to go. If you want to come, you can come. If you don't, it's up to you. And he went, he took a risk, he laid his hands on them, prayed for them. Amen. And that is called the attitude of Christ where you put yourself at risk. You put your life at risk to help someone else. Amen. That is called having an attitude of Christ. And that is what Ephroditus did for Paul. He put his life at risk and he's saying that he almost died to come and help me. Amen. And he has left an example for us to follow. So if you want to reach perfection, church, have the attitude of Christ. Amen. The third way of reaching perfection is being persistent in your walk with God. Pressing towards the pressing towards the goal is called us to. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. He's saying, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already received reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Amen. So this is what Paul is telling that he has not reached the perfection. Can you imagine the person who wrote the whole Bible is still saying that he has not reached the perfection. So you can imagine our condition. He's telling I have not reached the perfection that Christ is calling me to. Amen. But I press on towards by forgetting my past and moving on forward. Amen. That is what we are called to do. We have to forget our past life. We have to forget our past sins and move forward into God. Following Him all the way. Being persistent. Amen. The fourth way of reaching perfection, church, is by surrendering your will to God's will. And allow Him to transform your life by changing the way you think. Amen. Everything starts from your mind. If your mind is not right, it's going to affect your walk. It's going to affect your whole life. It's going to affect your body. Everything is paralyzed. It starts with the mind. The mind is the battlefield of the enemy. That's the reason he's saying in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen? So if you want to have a perfect life, Allow God to transform your mind. Everything starts from your mind. So you have to allow God to transform your mind by spending time in His Word, in the Bible. Amen. And don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, what He's saying. It says in Psalms chapter 119, Psalms 119, And verse, verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So he has hidden, the psalmist is saying that I have hidden your word in my heart 
so that I might not sin against you. So you have to hide the word of God. You have to drench yourself completely and soak yourself in the word of God because that will keep you away from sin. Amen. In the same chapter, verse 9, it says, How can a young man stay pure? By obeying your word. If you want to stay pure, if you want to stay perfect, if you want to stay holy, that is possible when you obey the word. Amen. The fourth way of reaching perfection, I'm sorry, the fifth way, I think we completed four ways. The fifth way of reaching perfection is by allowing God to finish what he has started. God has started something good in us. Amen. That's the reason we are coming to hear the word of God because God is doing something in us. He has started something good in us. That's the reason we are coming. We are listening to the word of God and we are doing what the word of God is telling us to do. Amen. It says, says Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. It says, And I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. It is finished when Christ comes. Amen. So God has started something good. Allow him to finish what he has started. Amen. I remember the sister was coming to our church and uh, her, her niece uh, had to do a jail time and she was coming to the church regularly and God released a word through Pastor Jose that everything will be fine. And to the surprise, God came through in her, in her situation. The judge came in favor of her and she didn't have to do the jail time. And she came and testified in the church that God did a great work in my life. And what happened eventually down the line, she stopped coming to the church. And now she's back into drugs and I'm not sure what her condition is right now. That is what happens, church. When, when God starts something good, we have to allow him to finish what he has started. Amen. Many Christians, they start good, but they don't end good. Why? Because they don't allow Christ to finish what he has started. Amen. He's saying in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves before God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Amen. So we have to humble ourselves before God if you want to be perfect. You have to humble yourself. Amen. You have to come to God and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my stubbornness. Forgive me of my rebellion. Amen. We have to humble ourselves. And it's saying that if you humble yourself before God at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Amen. At the right time, He will lift you up. God is a promise-keeping God. Every word of God is, is an anchor to our soul, an anchor to our life. And if you follow that, God is going to honor our life. And I'm going to close with this last scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Very important. Let us not give up doing good, for at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Amen. So he's saying, do not give up on doing good. Do not give up. Continue doing good. And at the just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessings if you don't give up. Amen. So continue coming to church. Continue helping your brothers and sisters. Continue praying for each other. Amen. Continue being a blessing to someone else. Continue doing good. Continue encouraging one another. Amen. So continue doing good even if, it, if things are against you. Even if things are coming against you and you know things are not going the way you expected. And, but still, God is telling us to continue. Continue praying for your brothers and sisters, your children who are still in addictions, your, your children who are still living in sin, your, your spouse who is living in sin. Continue praying for them. Don't give up. That's what he's saying. Don't give up. Why? Because at the right time, in God's time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And my many sisters, they have told me that I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for my husband, the things are not changing, Sister Shiva. I said, don't give up, sister. Continue. Keep doing good. Keep praying. Don't give up. Because one day or the other day, God is going to change that person. But it's going to be in God's time. I mean, we cannot expect God to work like a, 
uh, instant noodles that you put in the microwave and within two minutes the noodle is ready. God doesn't work like that. God works in His time. Amen. So keep doing good. Keep, keep coming to the church. Keep doing what the Word of God is telling us to do. And we're going to reach perfection. Amen. By doing what God is calling us to do. Amen. So God is calling us to press towards perfection because God wants to do something through us to people around us. Amen. We are called to be the children of the light because God lives in an unapproachable light. God is light and there is no darkness in Him. Amen. So let's encourage each other pressing towards perfection. And that's the message.